Let me invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Philippians chapter 2. I never played organized basketball beyond the 10th grade, but I, I really loved to play. And I wanted to get better as I was growing up. And you know where I had the most fun playing basketball? It was when I played with people who, people who were better than I was. If I always played against people who were on the same level as I was or worse, then I would not improve very much at all. I may win a lot of games, maybe, maybe score a lot of points, but I, I didn't improve unless I played people who were better than I was. And so I would go to the park and play with guys who were faster and stronger and smarter at basketball than I was. And as I played them, I learned some things from them. And it made me a better player. And it is true that we learn from the Scriptures much much of what it means to care for others, much of what it means to, to be united with other believers. But the Spirit also works through the means of personal examples. And so, so one of the things that we learn from the Scriptures is that the spiritual life is as much caught as it is taught. Now, we certainly can't do without the Scriptures. We need that. But, but I think one of the supporting uh, elements that God allows us to have in this life is not just the teaching of the Scriptures alone, but personal examples that we can look to and follow. And so I think we need to find worthy examples of Christians who genuinely care for the needs of others. In our study of Philippians, the Spirit has been teaching us that our church must pursue Christian unity. But we cannot do that apart from humility. We can't do that as long as we are concerned primarily about our own interests and not the interests of others. And so we must humbly look out for their needs, for their concerns. And the premier example of this is found in Jesus Christ, as we saw in verses 5-11 through 11 of chapter 2. But as we look at an example like Christ, we may complain, well, that's nice and all, but, but we're not Christ, and Christ isn't here for us to see with our own two eyes. And so that, that uh, example is a little bit difficult for us to follow. And while I think that's a cop-out on our part, what we are going to see is that God puts positive examples of selfless servants in our lives, all around us, for us to watch. And we ought to find those people, watch them very closely, and learn from them. In other words, if we want to understand what the selfless love of Christ looks like and what it means in our daily living, then we need to find believers who are modeling that kind of love and follow their example. That's what this passage is about this morning. So let me read it for us, Philippians 2 beginning in verse 19, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Philippians 2.19 This is the Word of God. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of His proven worth. 
that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. we're going to be involved in the progress of the gospel, we need to find examples of people who genuinely care and genuinely serve one another. And we need to be that kind of example for others as well. The progress of the gospel requires our genuine care and genuine service for one another. Genuine care happens when we take interest in the lives of others in the lives of those with whom we've partnered with for the sake of the Gospel. Genuine care means giving up the best of our resources to find out more specifically about the needs of our partners in the Gospel. Genuine service means giving ourselves for the sake of others. And we have two examples of men in this passage, and we could actually add a third, but two examples primarily of Timothy and Epaphroditus who are examples of men who genuinely care for one another, for other believers, and, and uh, who genuinely serve them. And so we'll look at those two uh, in, in this passage this morning. The third one that I say, I say we could add is the Apostle Paul himself. He's also a great example of genuine concern, but the, the focus of the text seems to be on these two men primarily. So first, the genuine service of Timothy, verses 19 through 24. The genuine service of Timothy. In verse 19, we see the purpose of why Paul is sending Timothy. And the purpose is that Paul was genuinely concerned for them. Verse 19, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So Paul, to the Philippians, I'm concerned about your condition, and so I'm sending Timothy to you. He wanted to know how things were going. He wanted to know the spiritual condition of the church in Philippi. He wanted to hear about how the gospel was progressing in their church and in their area. And so he says this, I hope in the Lord to send him. In other words, if the Lord wills, I'm going to send him. Why? What is the justification for sending Timothy? Verses 20-22. through 22. First, we see that Timothy is the best messenger available. Timothy is the best messenger available. Here's what Paul says about Timothy in verse 20. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. I have no one else who is of the same mind, of the same soul, the same deep desire for you as Timothy. He, he, equals, he, he is equal to me in my love for you. 
And no one else is like that, he says. So Paul is holding Timothy up as an example for all of them to follow. Here's a person who genuinely cares for you. Follow his example. Look back up to verse 4. This is the kind of person Timothy was. The kind of person that Paul was calling them to be. Verse 4 reads, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So Paul wants to highlight Timothy's care for them. And so he holds Timothy up as a model for them to follow. And in order to highlight Timothy's love, he shows Timothy's love or his concern in contrast to Paul's other associates. Paul could have sent a number of men, apparently, another, a number of messengers to go to the Philippian church, find out their well-being. But notice how he describes these other, men's that, these other men that were available. Verse 21. For they all, all these other associates that I had at my disposal to send to you, they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy was not that way. Do you know leaders like Timothy? Or do you know of leaders like these men in verse 21? Leaders who think that they're God's gift to the congregation. And these leaders tend to spend their time promoting themselves and their gifts. And, and they argue that the reason that the church is prospering so much is because of them. All they care about is their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, because they're just promoting themselves. But that's not how Timothy was. Timothy was genuinely concerned for their interests over his own people that Paul's referring to here in verse 21 are these parent messengers that apparently some messengers that could have been sent. And he's not saying that they're not believers. He's not saying that um, that they, they don't care about anything about the things of God, but he, I think he's making a statement by using a little bit of hyperbole in comparison to Timothy, they don't have any concern for you. They're more concerned about themselves. So when it comes to being free from self-centeredness, Timothy is your guy. Timothy is, is free from that. He's more concerned about you than he is about himself. And isn't that what believers and churches need? Isn't that what believers who are struggling with the difficulties of life need? They need people like Timothy who, who is not looking to, to, to gain another uh, a level of of notoriety who doesn't have ulterior motives in serving them. This is what our church needs. We need people, we need leaders who genuinely care for other believers and who are willing to give themselves in service to the other believers within this church. What a refreshing thing to have uh leaders like this. What a refreshing thing to have believers who are giving themselves for the sake of others. Timothy is the best of what Paul has to offer. Verse, uh, verses 20 and 21. But Timothy has also proven his worth to the Philippians. Look at verse 22. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Philippians, you know just as I know that Timothy is a man who is concerned about you. The Philippians 
had witnessed his selfless service. Apparently, Timothy was one of the ones who came with Paul when Paul first came to Philippi. Timothy had faithfully served alongside of Paul. And notice how he serves Paul in verse 22. He served me in the furtherance of the Gospel like a child serving his father. In other words, he was kind of like my slave. He was, I was a master to him. He would just do whatever I would say. He, he served me as a child would serve his father. This is Timothy. Not because Paul was lording his authority over him, but because Timothy, the point is that Timothy was, was a worthwhile servant. He loved to serve the people at Philippi. Paul gives his plans, his own plans in verses 23 and 24. So he sets out this example of Timothy first, and then he tells about his own plans here in verses 23 and 24. He says, Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. Paul says, Here's when I'm going to send Timothy. I need to send him to you. You need to have him. He cares about you deeply. And he is a great representative of me. And so I need to send him. But I'm going to wait until I see how things go with me. The point is, Paul, remember here, is in prison. And he's awaiting trial before the emperor. And he's going to give an account of of why he's there. And the emperor is going to make a decision. So Timothy's waiting there to see what happens the outcome of this trial. And so this tells us that there's actually a second purpose for why Paul was sending Timothy. Not only because Paul was concerned about their needs and their their um, interests, but also because Paul recognized that they were concerned about him. And that they would have wanted to know what happened to Paul. What was the outcome of the trial? They knew that this was a very significant trial in Paul's life. And something about which they were deeply concerned. And so he sent Timothy not only to find out how they were doing spiritually, but also to tell them, the church, how Paul's trial had turned out. Paul says in verse 24 that he planned to come himself. I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. In other words, if the Lord's will, I'm, if the Lord wills, I'm going to see a favorable response from the emperor and I'm going to also come to you shortly wasn't enough in Paul's mind that Timothy was coming. And even we're going to see that he's going to send Epaphroditus as well. But Paul wanted to come himself because he loved them deeply. He wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to see them. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to find out how they were doing. So while he's awaiting the outcome of his trial, Timothy would come to them. So apparently there would be some indication while the trial was going on or maybe at the end of the trial, that Paul was going to be okay, Timothy would take that news at the time, find out how the Philippians were doing. Paul would later be released, and um, as Paul's awaiting his release, he's going to be uh, sending Timothy. Following his release, he would, he would come to them himself. So, until that happens, he's still concerned about the Philippians. He wants to know how they're doing, and so here's what he's going to do. He's going to send Epaphroditus. And here's our second example that we need to follow. This man, Epaphroditus, verses 25 through 30. The genuine service of Epaphroditus. In the first uh, several verses here in this passage, we see that the reason for sending Epaphroditus. Paul tells them why he's sending Epaphroditus and um, not awaiting the outcome of his trial to send Epaphroditus. Okay? He gives two reasons. The first is 
Epaphroditus was concerned for the Philippians. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Sounds like Timothy. Sounds like Paul. They're both concerned for the Philippians. Well, Epaphroditus is as well, verses 25 and 26. It says, I, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who's also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So here we have this common theme again. Not only are Paul and Timothy concerned for the believers there, but Epaphroditus is concerned for them. So Paul says, I'm going to send him to you. But there's a second reason that he sends him, and we'll see this later in verses 27 and 28, and that is that Paul is concerned for their joy. Paul is concerned for their joys, but for their joy. Let, let's look at the first one first. That Epaphroditus was concerned for Philippi, the Philippians. He was not going to await the outcome of the trial. Paul didn't think that was necessary. Epaphroditus, you need to understand, was likely a member of the Philippian church. And the Philippians had sent him initially to go and care for Paul while he was in prison. And the reason I know that is because of verse 25. Look at the end of the verse. It says, Your fellow worker, fellow soldier, or my fellow worker, fellow soldier, who is also, notice, your messenger. And that word messenger is the same word that's translated as apostle in other passages. It just means the sent one. That he's the one that you guys sent to me. And what was the purpose of him going to Paul? Turn to chapter 4, verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 18. We see why the Philippians sent Epaphroditus to Paul while he's in prison. Chapter 4, verse 18. Paul says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. And I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now, you need to understand that when Paul was imprisoned, it was much different than being imprisoned in 21st century United States. It's much more similar to being imprisoned in the 21st century Ivory Coast. Dan Cuthbertson was telling us that in their prisons, they fit as many people as can lay down on the floor into one cell. And no food or medical care is provided for these people. And so, if a person is going to survive in prison, he has to have someone from the outside bring him the things that he needs. Dan was saying that a person without outside help would usually die within several weeks. This is the way Paul's imprisonment was. That he was in genuine need of their care. Without the care of believers or friends to help him, he would die in prison. And so the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus with some gifts. Now here in verse 18 it says a fragrant aroma. He didn't come with cologne. The idea is that he came with a nice gift that was acceptable in God's sight. It was food and, and medical supplies, whatever was necessary for Paul to be able to stay in there for a long period of time. And apparently Paul's going to say that, that there were multiple times in which the Philippians had sent gifts to him. But notice what happens. Turn back to chapter 2. Verse 26, notice what happens to Epaphroditus as he's on the way to the prison to give Paul these gifts. Verse 26, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Verse 27, for, him, for indeed he was sick to the point of death. 
God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Apparently, as as uh, as Epaphroditus was traveling on the Ignatian way, this main road that went uh, across the Macedonian area, he he became very ill. And Paul says that he came to the point where he nearly died. But God spared him. And the church of, of Philippi apparently heard the news that he was in grave danger. Maybe Epaphroditus sent a message on the opposite way for someone else that was traveling towards Philippi. And they had heard the news. And yet, what we learn is that Epaphroditus continued on, made it all the way to the prison where Paul was, and he was able to deliver the gifts that they had sent. You see, Epaphroditus was concerned about the advance of the Gospel. He was concerned about the Apostle Paul. He was concerned about the believers in Philippi receiving the gift of being able to give. That is, the blessings of being able to give. He recognized what great praise would be given to God if the gift was delivered. And so, even though he came to the brink of death, he continued on. And it resulted in Praise to God by the Apostle Paul and praise to God by the Philippian church being able to give that gift. And so Paul calls him my brother, verse 25, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, as if he's fighting in the battle for, for truth, for, the, for faith. But still, the church was concerned for him. They were concerned for his physical well-being. And so Paul thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus back. Even though he didn't finish the job, you know, probably what would happen is he would bring enough gifts to take care of Paul for a time and then Epaphroditus would settle down in that city. He would get a job so that he could provide some more resources for Paul. He would just hang out there near the prison and and continue to provide for him. Paul's prison sentence was not done, was it? So their concern was that Epaphroditus, if he left, Paul would would be in, in grave danger himself. But Paul said, I think it's more necessary for him to come back to you because you're so concerned about his his sickness. Now, they needed to understand that Epaphroditus was not having a pity party for himself, but but that he was concerned for their concern for him. Have you ever gone to a hospital and uh, visited someone who just had a major surgery and their concern was for their family members or their the church and how how things were going there. This is Epaphroditus. He's He's still in in a difficult situation as far as his health, and his primary concern is how they're concerned for him. And Paul says, I need to send them back to you. Verses 27 and 28, Paul is concerned for their joy. Verse 27, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Apparently, Paul had already received a great amount of sorrow because of his imprisonment and because of the difficulty that he was facing. But if Epaphroditus were to die, it would increase Paul's sorrow. Now, still in that, Paul can find joy because he's a believer. We can all find joy in the death of believers. But but his point was, I didn't want to have more sorrow come upon me than the sorrow I already had. And so, verse 28, he says, Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. So Epaphroditus is not on his deathbed anymore. He's made it here 
He's, he's doing better. And it would be helpful, Paul's saying, for him to stay on longer and help me. But I'm concerned, Paul's saying, I'm concerned about your joy and Epaphroditus is concerned about your joy. And so I think I need to send him back to you. And when he comes back, don't be ashamed that he didn't finish the job. Receive him with joy. That's what he says in verses 29 through 30. Make sure that you rejoice over his return. Verse 29, Receive him then in the Lord Jesus with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Don't be frustrated that he didn't complete the mission of staying with me all the way until the end of the trial. But, but instead, receive him with joy and, and look to him as an example. Hold men like him in high regard. People like Epaphroditus who selflessly serve, those are the type of people that should receive the greatest honor. This is the way Jesus was when he came to the earth. That I, not, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Mark 10:45. Those are the type of people that deserve the greatest honor. And so, when you have Epaphroditus back in your presence, hold him in high regard. Honor him for his great service, for he came to the point of of near death for the work of Christ. He wanted to complete what was deficient in the Philippian church. Now, look at that last line there in verse 30. Risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Paul's not saying you didn't do enough. His point was, you as a church, you couldn't all just get up and go and come to the prison and help me. You couldn't do that. You all have uh, certain responsibilities and so it made more sense for you to send a representative. So he's supplying what was deficient in you, you're not able to go. Epaphroditus was their representative. And he nearly died for their sake so that he could represent them well. This is uh, very similar to how we talked about as a group, the men, the men who went to the Ivory Coast, how we talked about our church. We recognize that not everybody in our church can go, but we wanted to be representatives of you as a church about how much you care for the Cuthbertsons. And we wanted to also be representatives uh, to be able to get a vision better of what is going on over there. And we, we, we don't think that we're any better than anyone else. We think that, that, that we couldn't have gone, in fact, without your help. We couldn't have gone without the money that you supplied for us to go. We, could, we couldn't have come with all the gifts that we had apart from, from your generosity. And so the same thing is true with regard to Epaphroditus. He's simply a representative of the church. He's supplying what they cannot supply. They can't actually be there in person. And so in that sense, he was their representative. The progress of the gospel requires our genuine care and genuine service for one another. And so what we should learn here this morning is that we ought to be able to find examples and follow examples of people who care more about the needs of others than about their own needs. Do you know of people who serve you selflessly? Do you know 
of people in this church who serve the genuine needs of others within this church. They genuinely care for the people. Well then, you ought to thank God for those people. You ought to follow their example and learn from them. Have the same attitude about selfless, humble service as Christ had. That when He he took on the form of a servant and became and, and came into the likeness of man and became obedient unto death for your sake. That's the kind of humble, selfless service we need to follow. People who are like this, who are following the model of Christ, they don't care about public recognition. They don't want to be put on a pedestal. They don't look for reciprocation. You know, make sure that as long as I serve you, that you're going to serve me back. The I... I scratch your back, you scratch my back type idea. That's not, that's not how genuine servants are. They even care, about, uh, they even care very little about acknowledgement at all. They, they don't want to be recognized primarily. They're more concerned about the spiritual benefit that their care and service provide for the recipient of their love. And if you know people like that, then hold them in high regard. Follow their example. Learn from them. Spend time with them. Find out what, what causes them to tick. What, what makes them go? And, and learn from them. And as I was thinking about this passage and, and this application, a few of you came to mind. That, that I hold you in high regard for your selfless example of service to people in this church. And I'm thankful to God for you. And, and while you may not get your name in big letters, um, God knows, and and I know, uh, much of the service that you do for this church. And frankly, I don't think you really care about getting your name in big letters. I think you're more concerned about the interests of others than your own, and, and that's the kind of examples we need. Find people like that in this church. Follow their examples. Because Timothy was so good at this, Paul could say about the rest of the men who were available, they all seek for their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. When we are primarily concerned about the interests of Christ Jesus, we will be more concerned about the interests of others. And so praise God that, that people like Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul and the Philippian church were more concerned about other people's interests rather than their own. And may God cause that same thing to happen here at our church. For our church to be made up of people who care more about the interests of others than about their own. Let's pray. Father, the example of Christ is one that we want to follow. And we look to Him often. Uh, we look to His model. And, and we want to be like Christ in the way that He selflessly served. We, we are amazed when we see the things that He did. But he, the God of the universe, willing to stoop down and, and wash the feet of His disciples and, and to, to participate in great acts of service no greater than His death on the cross, being humiliated for us and giving His, his body Himself for our sake. And so, Lord, we want to follow that example, but we have to be honest that it's very difficult for us to, to
to meet up to that standard. And so we're thankful that You have given us examples of selfless service like people within this church. People who care more about the interests of others and not their own primarily. Lord, we want to be like that. We want to follow these examples. Help us to do that. Lord, may You give us grace to to understand how the the various parts of our lives should be played out in service and care for other people. May we not live our lives in isolation or seclusion and try to to, uh, enter heaven on flowery beds of ease. But rather, may we fight and work hard serve other people even when it's difficult, even when it feels uncomfortable at times, even when we feel like our own needs are not being addressed, our own desires are being ignored. Help us to care more for the interests of others. Lord, we we are grateful for the examples that you put into our lives and help us to, to follow those examples so that we too can be good examples for others to follow here in this church and, and uh, also in the other people with whom we've partnered with the gospel. Lord, we want to be servants of you and adequate uh, servants for sure. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.